This is a Healthier Michigan podcast, episode 88. Coming up, we discuss colonoscopies and what you need to know about them. Welcome to a Healthier Michigan podcast. This is a podcast that's dedicated to navigating how we can all improve our health and well-being through small healthy habits we can start right now. I'm your host, Chuck Gatica. Every other week, we sit down with a certified health expert to discuss topics that cover nutrition and fitness, health, wellness, a lot more. And on this episode, what we need to know about colonoscopies. And hopefully, let's dispel some myths about them as well. With us today is Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, Dr. James Grant, who's recently documented his colonoscopy experience, and he can give us some knowledge and also discuss the process and the importance of everybody's quote-unquote favorite test, Dr. Grant. It's good to have you with us. Good to be here, Chuck. Well, I know you've got a lot of experience. You know, you've held numerous positions in organized medicine. You serve as chair of the Delegation and Section Council on Anesthesiology. You're married to a doctor. I mean, this is something that you just kind of take for granted, maybe, in a way, but yet you've just done this yourself. So help us understand some of this about colonoscopies and why do we fear them so much? Just talking about it is kind of strange. I think it's the fear of the unknown. When you talk to people who've had colonoscopies, they'll usually say it's not the colonoscopy itself, it's the prep. Yeah. And actually, the prep isn't actually that bad. No, it's not. And I was awake for mine, so I watched it. You did? I did. Well, I'm an anesthesiologist, so you know we go to sleep for these kinds of things. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's talk about you know your experience, because... We've got preconceived notions. It's not a delicate topic. You know, it doesn't come up necessarily with friends that you're kind of hanging out with unless you get to a certain age when you start talking about all kinds of maladies, right? I mean, you know, I don't know what <laughs> well, it Chuck, is. You also called this a uh, not a delicate topic. It is a delicate topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I guess it is, yeah. Yeah, well, talk about this so we can, you know, we're kind of chuckling about this, but it is one of those things that just doesn't come up all the time, and we really should have discussions, you know, buddy to buddy or the girls go out or something. I mean, there should be places that we can discuss what's happening in our lives, and it should be okay. Yeah, you're right, Chuck. It's just something that you know that you need to do because the thing about colonoscopies is if it's caught early, it can save lives. Yeah. That's the thing we've got to always remember. You know, you don't have to do it every year. You don't have to do it like every six months, like you go to the dentist. You do it every five to 10 years and it saves lives. When we did the video in March, we had countless people. As a matter of fact, the video, Chuck, has had just shy of 8,000 views. Is that right? Wow. Well, talk about some of the basics. At what age should we start to think about getting a colonoscopy? What's your recommendation? About 45, and that's what the American Cancer Society recommends. We have two extremes that we look at. We have 45, and then on the other end, we say people who are in good health with life expectancy of more than 10 years regularly should check for colon cancer until about age 75. And then about 76 through 85, you're sort of going to take a look at the patient's preference, life expectancy, overall health. And then the American Cancer Society then says after 85, you don't really need to uh, get colorectal cancer screening. And what is the uh, five to 10 year differentiation? Is that based on whether you've had a polyp removed or what is it that creates that difference between five year checks and 10 year? I think, Chuck, you hit it on the spot. And that's, you know, if you've had polyps, depending what you find when you're in the colonoscopy, if it's a, what we call a clean colon, they'll probably say 10 years. 
if they found a whole host of polyps in there, maybe say five years. Uh, if there's a lot of polyps and a family history and, 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 they may even make it a little sooner. So the return time period is probably, that's more individual dependent. Yeah. And talk to us about your particular test, where there and whatever you've shared in your video, you know, that's appropriate. But for you, did you have any reason to be concerned or was this a routine check? Mine was a routine check. And I did it because I want to lead by example. So I did it and I took a camera with me from, you know, the minute I started at home, started the prep to the minute I got wheeled out of the hospital. And, uh, you know, I wanted to show, you know, millions of Michiganders, hey, it's something that you should do. It's something that will save lives. It doesn't hurt. Once I got checked, I felt better. I felt better knowing I'm not going to get colon cancer. Yeah. No, let's parse this because you're talking about it, and I know you're not purposefully dancing around it. Let's talk about PrEP and then what actually happens with the test so everybody can understand that it isn't as big a deal as you're, you know, you're saying it's not. Let's understand that. Okay. People ask, well, what's the purpose of the PrEP? Yeah. purpose of the PrEP is so that you have a clean colon, so that the gastroenterologist, the colorectal surgeon, whoever you choose to have do your colonoscopy, so that they can see everything. They can see the, all the walls and the linings and the mucosa of the colon. If you have stool in your colon, it's going to make it really difficult. As a practicing anesthesiologist for you know 30 years, I was an anesthesiologist for hundreds of endoscopies. And I'd see the endoscopist always struggle if there was stool in the way or they couldn't see what they wanted to see. A good prep, really, it's, it's like a road. And you know, if you're on the highway and there's more things on the highway, it's going to be tough to actually get through the highway. So this makes it a clean, easy to visualize, easy to spot small things. The prep isn't hard. It's you know a lot of clear liquids the day before. Probably the hardest part about it is being hungry. The night before, you start with the prep, and yeah, you're going to be in the restroom for a long time. But you'll actually see the results when things look natural, and then all of a sudden when things look very clear. But you know when things are clear that you don't have any stool left in there, and they can actually do a really good look at what's in your colon. So you do that kind of the day before, and it is a day-long overnight process. You're ready to go. You head to the hospital, and then you go in for the test. Take us through that. So you go into, you know, can you be at a hospital or an endoscopy center? And you're going to go in, and uh, they're going to ask you a bunch of questions. They're going to ask about your medical history. They're going to, you know, talk about your prep. They're going to ask you if there are any problems with the prep. You're going to get an IV, and the IV is so that they can give you some kind of sedative. You're going to go in, and then you're going to go off to sleep. They'll do the procedure. They'll take a look, you'll wake up, you'll go over the results, they'll tell you if there were polyps, they'll tell you if they found anything concerning, they'll tell you if it was clean, and they'll also tell you when it's time to come back. A lot of places now will give you snapshot videos of what they saw in the colon, so that you something you can take home as a souvenir and show all your friends and family at your next function. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Well, but you know, this is really interesting because for many of us, it is a badge of honor when you come home and either your spouse or someone who knows you went for a test says, well, how'd it go? And you want to say, in my case, I can just tell you, I did have a small polyp, right? And they said, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Everything is fine. We removed it. And you kind of see either a video or a snapshot. And it does bring some sense of, I have to tell you, for either me or my wife, it brought a sense of peace for us to each know about the results, right? Like, okay, 
everything is okay. It's good. No doubt. So we're in the hospital or we're in the endoscopy center and they're going to generally knock us out. So we're not feeling a thing and the test happens and this is happening over what period of time? How long does it take? You know, they can take 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. I wouldn't let the length that it takes be any kind of worrisome sign. Like I said, if you have a good prep and they don't have to do any work to see what they got to see, it can be very quick. If they go in and it's a sort of a poor prep and there's lots of polyps, then it can take longer. And for some of us, this is not the case for me, and I don't know about you, but for some of us and some buddies that I've talked to, they have a history in their family of issues, right? Could even be as dramatic as colon cancer. And I think there's this weird thing that happens to a lot of us for various reasons, you know, like, um, I don't know what it is that gums up the works where you say to yourself, I I really don't want to know, you know, my dad had it, but I don't want to know. Well, that's counterintuitive to think that way, because if somebody in the immediate family had issues, that's probably a good kick in the pants for us to go, (laughs) right? I mean, we should go get the test. Yeah. I put it like this, you know. I know when I'm putting on weight, I don't weigh myself. I do not want to see the number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but it's the same thing. And I understand. But on the other hand, too, if you can get the colonoscopy, your anxiety will be relieved. You no longer have to worry, do I have colon cancer? Am I going to die from colon cancer? And it's something that we can do. It's, it, this is technology we didn't have so many years ago. And this is something if we catch early, we can actually take care of. Yeah, I'm following, um, I want to share for a minute, I won't mention any names or circumstances, but I'm following a young woman who I used to work with who has colon cancer, and apparently there's been a bit of a spread of the cancer, and she's having to get second opinions out of state and, I mean, significant places that she would go. And she's been very forthright about the whole process and how she feels and how she's down about it some days, but how the fighting spirit is crazy. And you watch this and you read these posts, which are dramatic, and you just think, my God, you feel for her, her family, a young family, and then she's just wearing T-shirts that say, you know, check your colon, get a colonoscopy. And for her, this is so real. And for some of us, we could just be a breath away, right, from getting a phone call or seeing some sign that we've got trouble. So what you're trying to encourage us to do is to prevent every bit of what I'm witnessing there with an old friend. Yeah. So Chuck, what I'm encouraging is that you don't have to wait to see a sign. Yeah. If you get your colonoscopy when you need it, you catch it before there's signs. It's when there's signs, it's often at a point that it's it's not as curable as it should be. And what would those signs be? What should we be on guard for if we haven't gotten in for our test yet? I'd say the greatest sign you see is blood in the stool. That's the greatest sign. This is not something that all of a sudden you'll have abdominal pain or anything else. You'll see blood in the stool. But if you get your colonoscopy as scheduled, colon cancer is not something that just grows incredibly rapidly. Mm. It's something that's slow growing. That's why we have this cadence or this timetable for when you should get your colonoscopy. Yeah, that's interesting. And relative to alternatives, if you watch enough cable TV, and I don't know why I see the little white box, the cola guard, uh, you know, the happy smiley face guy, they're trying to make it fun. Is that an alternative to a colonoscopy or is that just another line of defense for us to consider? Well, it's another line of defense. The issue with things like virtual colonoscopy, Chuck, is you can do it and the technology is actually pretty amazing. Yeah. But then if they find something, you got to come back and have a traditional colonoscopy right. where they can take out the polyp or take a closer look at something. That's why I went for the traditional colonoscopy right away because you know I knew they would if they saw a polyp, if they saw anything unusual, they'd go in there, they'd take care of it, and we'd be done. There'd be no repeat visit. 
Yeah. And for you personally, uh, did you share in your video the outcome of the test as well? How did you do? Knock on wood, I passed. They said to come back in 10 years. Yeah, awesome. And so for everybody who thinks about this and talks about it, obviously you're saying in in a lot of words, but (laughs) not a big deal, right? That everything went well and it's just something we need to assume is a good practice for all of us. Yeah, it's a good practice. You know, Chuck, you know, I used to ask this question all the time to patients after, you know, when they were, they came in, they were hungry, they just wanted to get their colonoscopy done. As the anesthesiologist, I'd be doing sort of a pre-anesthesia assessment. And I'd always ask them, I said, well, what do you want to do when this colonoscopy is over? Because they were pretty hungry and pretty famished and a little dehydrated. I'd say, what do you want to do? And they'd all tell me the same thing. I would Not all of them, but a lot of them would tell me the same thing. I want to go to the pancake house when this is done. Really? 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 I said, do you like pancakes? And so often they say, no, but I have this feeling (laughs) I want to go to the pancake house. Uh, Yeah. Do you think that that was the reward part of our brain kicking in? Like, I'm going to create my own trophy if everything goes well? I have no idea. I was always intrigued by the pancake house stories, though. That's an interesting upside. Maybe it's a bonus for some of us. You know, I don't necessarily go to a pancake house, but it sounds like an okay idea. (laughs) What are some of the myths that you also... You must have also seen people who would be laying there before you administer, you know, uh, the anesthesiology, the myths that are rolling around in their minds that are creating angst. What are some of those that you can dispel for us? Oh, there's a lot of them. My colonoscopy can wait until after the pandemic. Well, it can't wait until after the pandemic. I would say, if you want me to tell you the honest truth, the worst thing about my colonoscopy, now that I think about it, was really the COVID test before I had to go in, because I got mine in March when really COVID was really peaking. And anytime someone goes into the hospital for a procedure, you get a COVID test. That was probably the worst part for me was the COVID test. Or, you know, you don't need a colonoscopy because you don't have symptoms. It's a terrible myth. The prep is horrible. The prep is not bad. The prep is actually, in the old days, it used to be drink gallons of this and gallons of that. Those days are gone. Now we have different preps that are have like two 16-ounce servings. They talk about it, you know, it's painful. No, it's not painful. I went to sleep for mine. I woke up and everything was done. I'm not at risk for colon cancer, they'd say. Well, if you have a colon, you're at risk for colon cancer. The other risk I find interesting is um, women feel that they're less likely to get colon cancer. And that's not true. Women are only slightly less at risk than colon cancer. And gender really makes no difference in screening recommendations. That they're expensive. They're not expensive. And actually, you know, most payers cover most of it. They're dangerous. My colon can be perforated. You know, do you not get in the car because you, you know, because you could get into an accident? The risk of colon perforation is less than one in a thousand. Yet, by contrast, one in 20 Americans will be diagnosed with colon cancer at some point during their lifetime. It's too embarrassing. It's not embarrassing at all. We all have it done. We all have colons. It shouldn't be embarrassing. And the last myth I've seen is it can't be prevented. It can be prevented. That's what you got to remember. It can be prevented. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting too, is some of those myths, and of course we can all conjure up and ruminate about things forever. There's no, you know, rhyme or reason as to why, but when you talk about the embarrassing part, it is because you're not only discussing and people come up with jokes, I'm sure to take the edge off, but you're working with professionals, maybe yourself included, who are doing this all the time. You know, like there's no new story to what somebody's going to see, you know, like you're, you're probably not going to be surprised and in a weird way that sort of gives me some comfort like well these are pros i mean these people are doing this all the time this is not a shocking thing for them so why would i be embarrassed you know shouldn't be as a matter of fact you can go to an endoscopy center or in the hospital or into an ambulatory center and you're going to be in there with a long line of people who are having colonoscopies done and they're all there just like you 
And sometimes, you know, I can remember, you know, during the height of my clinical practice, and Fridays were a very busy day. And I'd say, how many colonoscopies do we have? Number often 70, 75, 80, 85 that day. Wow. I did have a buddy who gave me this feedback before he went for a colonoscopy because he knew that I had a polyp removed. He said, oh, that's the part that I'm afraid of because that means they have to go in there and cut something out. How does it heal? Does it hurt? Will it continue to hurt? It was like I had no idea until they told me. And then for days, uh, there was no aftershock of that, right? I don't know. You could explain the medical approach to how it's all healing, but it seemed like one of those magical self-healing things. I had no knowledge that that had happened after the fact. Now, if you have a polyp in there, what it does while you're asleep, they put a sort of a wire into the colon, into the scope, and actually they either snare it off or actually cauterize or burn it away. So you'll never even know. And you don't feel any pain with that at all. Yeah, and there was no after effect at all. Well, what else do you want to leave us with outside of the encouragement that we all need to go, which is probably the most important part and uh, obviously good news that yours came out fine. But give us some takeaways here for the audience as we get encouraged by you. Takeaways are no one should die from colon cancer. If it's caught early, get your colonoscopy. Talk to your primary care physician. Get the name of either a gastroenterologist or a colorectal surgeon. Those are the two kinds of physicians that do colonoscopies. Get a name. Get in there. If you're scheduled for a follow-up, do it. It will prevent you having any serious effects from colon cancer if it's caught early enough. And that's the only thing. This is something that we can handle. Thousands of Americans will die from colon cancer, and thousands of them also unnecessarily will die from colon cancer. Yeah, you know, I appreciate all of that because it is encouragement that we can all do this. And for me, who was it, Simon Sinek, Doc, that said, uh, you know, what's your why? And for me, my why is when I look at that wall of photographs I have of my wife and my kids and my grandkids, and I think, that's my why. I mean, I want to be around to be with them and whoever we don't even know, you know, in our family who's coming in. That's my why. I want to have a long health span and lifespan. That's my why. You got it, Chuck. Well, Dr. James Grant, it sure was a pleasure talking to you. A delicate topic, and we appreciate not only you guiding us through it and giving us encouragement, but also sharing your own story. And 8,000 views, watch out. This could be a whole Netflix thing (laughs) for you. I don't know. Well, take a look at it. That's why I did it. If it saves one life, it was worth it to me. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. Dr. James Grant, Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Take good care of yourself. You too, Chuck. Thank you. And thank you for listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast. It's brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like the show, you want to know more, you can check us out online at ahealthiermichigan.org slash podcast. You can leave us reviews or ratings on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. You can get old episodes, You obviously this episode and upcoming episodes on your smartphone or tablet. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. You stay well, too. I'm Chuck Gatica.